Come, linger, and join the conversation as we sit at the feet of Rabbi Jesus in the upper room. In this week's Upper Room Conversation, the guys discuss how to respond when teachings we hear, even in the church, do not line up with biblical truth. Welcome back to this week's Upper Room Conversation. This is Brian, and I am joined across the table, as usual, my counterpart, Giles. How are you, Giles? I'm doing great, Brian. It's great to be here. I've been thinking about this podcast and our conversation all week. Yeah, this one's kind of been stewing for a while, um, and I see it as a really good follow-up to the last couple conversations about spiritual eyes to see and ears to hear. Uh, we spent some time talking about, first of all, that Jesus' desire, and one of the main reasons he came, was to give us sight and to allow us to see and interpret the kingdom. Um, but then also we spent some time last week discussing, you know, some of the barriers that we might come up against uh, to seeing and hearing from God. And this week, um, definitely going to dig into some really more specific examples of that. Yeah, I think this week it's going to be good. We're going to really sort of talk about specific situations in which we may be hearing or seeing things which have nothing to do with God's work, God's word, and maybe culturally have just become such a comfortable thing in the in American Christianity. So I'm excited. Yeah, I think this is going to be really beneficial for people to hear because these are big warning signs. And yeah. Brian actually has a Great name for the podcast tonight, Brian. What, Brian, what's it called? Well, here's here's what I'll do. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tee it up for you a little bit, and I'll let you introduce the name of the podcast because I'm gonna ask you a question. What would you do in the following two scenarios? Right. So, scenario number one: you are speaking with a person who, by all Western church standards, is a mature Western Christian individual. And they are leading their own small group of young people. And they are ending one study that they're doing and getting ready to start another one. And, and the question gets raised, what do we want to study? What do we want to do next? And when the... So the scenario is, is that in this, the leader says, how do you feel about just picking a book of the Bible and let's study some of God's Word over the next six to eight weeks. And the six, five or six individuals that are in the group say, thanks, but no thanks. We, we, really, we really would rather read this book over here or do this study. Yeah, God's Word is it's just kind of boring, and we're not really into it. So that's scenario number one, right? And scenario number two is is that you get an invitation from a local church that says, hey, Giles, we're doing some men's outreach activities, and there's going to be all this fun stuff. We're going to do axe throwing. We're going to play golf. We're going to uh, we're gonna do video games, play video games at some point in the next four to six weeks. And so here's the invitation. We would like you to come, but don't worry. 
we're not going to be opening the Bible or anything and digging into Scripture. We're not going to be doing anything spiritual like that. This is, you know, just the time to get together. What would your response be? You know, how how, how does that make you feel, and what would your response be to those situations? Well, I guess I have an image in my head, and any of y'all who have seen the old Warner Brother cartoons, the Roadrunner, and you've seen how the Roadrunner takes off, I feel like I would be strapping on my first century Nike sandals, creating some dust in my wake, as I'm not just walking away, but I'm running from that situation and looking like the Roadrunner kicking up the dust. I know. Don't walk, run, right? And what's really sad is that these are actually two scenarios that we have dealt with within the last six months, one of them more recently, but that we've actually encountered where um, and my good friend Wayne Jacobson, you know, he would say, you know, the yuck meter, that we all have this yuck meter, that, that God kind of gave us this yuck meter to kind of determine, you know, when things don't sit right. And, and basically, in both of those situations, my yuck meter is just going off the chart. Like, why on earth would I, as a representative of a church, whether it be as a small group leader or in other, any other capacity, why would I be specifically sharing with others, don't worry, we're not going to get into the Bible? This really ties in well to our conversation about spiritual blindness and spiritual deafness. Because you even brought up a term, you said yuck meter, like the Wayne Jacobson yuck meter. But the yuck meter is would be based on your own understanding of God's truth. Yes. So these scenarios, although some of you all might be saying yuck and wow, I would do the same thing. Some of you may actually say, well, I've actually heard that several times and I actually haven't even thought about it. So the question is, is that this is what we're trying to say is as we know God's word, we really do have to be actually discerning about some of these things. Um, I heard a really great statement it's actually a book that we read here, um, and it says if you're not teaching them Jesus, if you're not showing them to Jesus, everything else is worthless. So what's the point? I'm like, what's the point of a Bible study if you're not in the Word? Well, and I think that we've found, and I think I've said even on a number of occasions in this podcast— that he's the God of both. He's the God of and. And so we happen to sit around the table and have a meal together as a family and have these deep conversations. And in these deep spiritual conversations, there's laughter and there's joy and there's fulfillment and there's confirmation. And there's all of these things that I would call the full life, Mm -hmm. this eternal Mm -hmm. full life that Jesus desires for us. And it's this fact that I can actually have two. I can actually have both that I don't have to choose one or the other. We're not. And I think sometimes even in the podcast, you know, we can, we can be very, you know, we can be digging into scripture and we can be very literal and so on and so forth. But in, in general, we're not, we're not these stuffy people 
Like we're actually living this full abundant life. And the only reason we're doing this podcast at all is because it's this overflow and we love to share it with you that might be listening out there. These two statements you spoke about, and I know we're going to be jumping into scripture here, which is always the best place to go. But these two scenarios that we've talked about, if I really am looking at them, what I say is I have to ask a real serious question. And this maybe is where the yuck meter can sort of guide us. When I read these two things, where am I looking for my value and my affirmation? Because if I say my small group doesn't want to read the Bible, and yet I know that they need to be in the God's word, where am I looking for my affirmation? And if I'm a men's group of a church, and I'm saying, don't worry, we won't be opening the Bible or anything, where am I looking for my affirmation? Because it almost seems like the meter is totally the opposite direction of we're seeking this from people when we know that our value and our affirmation should be coming from God. Well, and we even shared that scripture last week, you know, and spiritual eyes to see and ears to hear, where we talked about, for they loved and they craved the affirmation of men more than the affirmation of God. And so, you know, as we dig into scripture, you know, um, we're going to begin with Ephesians 4 as a, as a real good transition from these scenarios that we just described and then getting into the meat and potatoes of like, well, you know, what does scripture say about, you know, this idea of discernment and false teaching and what it might look like. And, and so as I read this passage out of Ephesians 4, you know, I have to ask you, Giles, and I have to ask myself and I have to ask our listeners, as I read this, do you believe this? Like, do you believe what this says? Because... I'm not writing this. I'm pulling this straight from Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, bear with me. This is a, a little bit of a long passage, but I, th- but I think that it's important that we, that we get the whole picture here and start out with verse 1. Uh, so this is Paul. Therefore, I, as a prisoner serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. We've talked about that early on in this kaleo, like this idea of being called as his disciple. You've been called, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future, There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. He has given, given, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. 
their responsibility, and this is kind of where we want to focus in, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity and faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And here it is. Yeah, this is what starts. This is it. This is the yuck meter. This is the yuck meter. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. I'm going to skip down a little bit, but Jesus says, you know, instead we will speak the truth in love. Jesus is that truth in love. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness, and they wander far from the life of God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. So there's the spiritual eyes to see and ears to hear again. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, now throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So Giles, definitely we want to, we want to go back to verse 14 and talk about, do we really believe that this is possible for these ordinary men and women that God is calling to be his disciples? I think it is totally possible. I think when it talks about this immaturity, like immature like children, and then you tie it into the next verse, which it says we will not be influenced by people when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth or with new teachings, right? Um, it's that there was a foundation. There's a foundation based in truth. So these ordinary men, the foundation, when it was built up to be founded in truth, which we know truth is who? Truth is Christ. Um, so how do we know what it means to be mature or immature? Again, what is the standard we're putting it up against? It's by our knowledge and who God is and who Christ is. Because if we don't have that, I think about this with the new teaching. You know, I hear so many people, and I'm not one that wants to sit here and critique every new study that comes out, Christian study, but they don't replace the Word of God. Those are to be supplements for when you already understand truth and you're working through those things. And those may take you to glean a little bit deeper because somebody has dug into it maybe a little bit more than you, but it is not a replacement for God's word. And so I think that's what it's really talking about here. How would we know what's false or what's true unless we're putting it up against Christ and how we put it up against Christ is through his word and through who Christ is. Right. And, and so Skipping on down to 21, since you have heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes from him, it's now time to throw off that sinful nature. And and I think that you're so right in that I have gleaned quite a bit. And even in this podcast, we've referenced Robert Coleman, we've Richard Foster, 
John Eldridge, some of these other authors that we have read and that have influenced us. But here's the big difference. The big difference is, is that, is that we're, att- we're spending time with Jesus on a daily basis in his word, becoming biblically fluent. And then as I read those other authors, there's truth woven in there. Um, maybe some authors more than others, but that book or that movie, maybe it's a secular movie that I'm watching. We, we were talking this week about 12 Years a Slave. Maybe it's a secular movie that I'm watching. The Holy Spirit can move and can say, hey, Giles, I was teaching you about this when we were reading the book of John together. I was teaching you about this in the book of Isaiah when we have been having this conversation about freedom and slavery in my word, and it's these secular movies or it's these other books and texts that actually confirm what I've actually learned and know to be true about the person of Jesus. That's so good because I think you hit on something really important. The only book that is from the divine, that is divine and from God is the Bible, is scripture. All these other authors, all of these other, even, you know, even great people, I would say even of faith, they're still man and they still are interpreting things but it's not God's word. And only through that, if you don't have that foundation of that truth, even if you read truth and other things, you can still be easily swayed. Exactly. Exactly. So, and that's the goal, right? I mean, that's the, the, the goal of the discipleship that we do. That's the goal of actually our own personal development that we have both as individuals Um, It's the goal that we have for our board is we're not interested in staying where we are. We're we're really interested in how is your relationship with Jesus and your knowledge of him deepening and growing. And thank God he gives us that yuck meter because, and I think as we read this passage in Ephesians and we say, and we read this, um, we won't be tossed back and forth by the winds of new teaching. We have to come to an understanding, folks. And that is, you are going to encounter, and the scriptures are very clear, we are going to encounter false teaching. It's going to happen, and we need to be prepared for it. So if I was sitting in a room, I'm, so why don't we, I'm going to give like a little, maybe a Parable. I'm going to speak in parables. I, I always like how Jesus spoke in parables because I think sometimes it's easier for us to understand some things. So this term false teacher, you know, I, I don't know if culturally we really understand false teacher in a way that, I mean, it's not a term you use on a daily basis like, you know, false teacher this, false teacher that. But there are some things I think we do understand. So um, if I walked into a room and I told you with, I have no engineering experience, not an engineering bone in my body, but I told you, hey, I'm going to build a bridge, and here's all these different ways that I'm going to build it, and you're sitting across from me, and you also have no engineering experience. You could easily be convinced by me. Yeah. 
right? Because I can go watch a couple YouTube videos. I can make myself know some, learn some words and some definitions. That means I had known literally nothing though about the actual structural method of building a bridge. But if you have no knowledge, I can sit across from you and I can convince you that what I'm telling you is the truth. Yep. So when we talk about false teachers, it's based on you can identify a false teacher if you know the truth. If you don't know the truth, though, you're going to be being convinced with new teaching all the time and blown back and forth because it is very easy for a false teacher, and there are a lot of them, to manipulate you and to tell you something that sounds good but is not based on any kind of biblical truth. Let's bring it into modern terms. In modern terms, something that everybody listening to this podcast is going to understand because of the election that we just came out of, false teaching, fake news. Fake news. Fake news, right? And and here's the deal. Hey, and we're equal opportunists. That's right. Guys, fake news. <laughs> like... It's the, fake news. We don't care. Like, I don't care which I'll st- one you bring me. Fake news. I'll steal that term. I'll steal that term from the world. I don't have an issue with it. <laughs> Guys, you know, so but, but so we're joking around a little bit. But seriously, the scriptures are very clear that, that in this world, as Christ's followers, we are going to encounter fake news. And, um, and, in, the, and the second half, you know, that we're going to get to eventually is, is that Thank God, you know, he sent us the Holy Spirit to to interpret that. But but here I know for a number of these young people, for a number of you young people that may be listening that that we we work with, you know, this is a real struggle. What is truth? What is truth? And so um you know, we just picked out a few scriptures. I, I could have gone, we could have gone on and on. I could have, you know, Jesus Jesus goes into this unbelievable rant in the book of Matthew about woe to you, all you false teachers and hypocrites. There's a whole rant in Matthew. Read the book of Matthew if you want more commentary on this from Jesus himself. We picked out a few scriptures. What I want to just, yeah, and I'm gonna, I'll start with the first one, but I want to also say something else. You know, as we, guys, we do the preparation for these kind of podcasts, you, you you know, sometimes we we wonder, oh, you know, I think I've read that or I've seen that or I know that God <laughs> yeah. has said this before in Scripture. But when you actually start looking to see where these things are talked about, I mean, you don't even have enough time in the day to, no. to, to write, down all the ver- write down all the verses. So as Brian said, we're just t- picking out a snippet here of verses about false teachers. But again, God knew this was going to be a serious issue, and so... It is woven in and out of Scripture the multiple times he's talking about how easily we can be deceived by false teachers. So I'm going to start with 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth, guys, Our whole conversation about ears not to hear, right here, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Man, does that not sound like this world that we live in, that even, even, even something like social media, that there's an algorithm going on behind the scenes 
that actually tunes your social media feed into the kind of stuff that you want to hear. And right there it is in Scripture, this time will come. And this idea of sound doctrine and truth and manipulating something that may sound good or sound true. And here's a great test. Here's a great test. Is the person saying it, are they saying it to get some sort of personal gain out of it? You know, whether it be a salary, whether it be a book deal. Whether it be a tithe. Exactly. Are they doing it to suit their own desires? Is there something, some sort of a reward on the back end for them that's not from the kingdom or eternal? You know, as I as I read that to you, I, I realize something. It says to say what their itching ears want to hear. It makes me think that maybe some things that we read in scripture are not supposed to be extremely comfortable for us to hear. Yes. And we've talked about that before. It's not always comfortable when Jesus taps me on the shoulder and says, Hey, what about this? This deep, dark issue that you got going on that nobody else knows about. It's not comfortable. And there's a number of things in Paul's teaching. It's not comfortable. Doesn't make me comfortable. Doesn't make me fat, happy, and comfortable. It really makes me uneasy. So my uncle, um, he doesn't listen to the podcast, so I guess I can slam him a little bit. Uh, uh, but he, he, he would say, you know, I really don't like when they read those letters from Paul, the epistles at church. I'm thinking that's an interesting thing to say, but at least he was being honest. Sure. He didn't like it. That was not what his ears wanted to hear. So just the fact of God's word being read sometimes could make someone who's proclaiming to be a believer that that really is burning my ears. I don't really want to hear it. But the point was, is yeah, God speaks truth. And when our fallen nature comes up against God's truth, when darkness comes up against holiness, that's not going to be a comfortable situation, people. That is not going to be, oh, this just all fits into everything for me. Well, and how about the prophets, right? You know, we, we've heard, I've heard recently, you know, oh, we're, we're a New Testament church. We're a New Testament church. And the New Testament is just a reflection of everything. It's the fulfillment and everything that happened in the Old Testament, which is, there's nothing wrong with that, except we, we realize kind of what they're really oftentimes saying is, yeah, we, like this stuff, the stuff about the law and the stuff about the prophets like, I don't know that I want to be sharing that from the pulpit or in a Sunday school class because it's hard to hear. Well, and when somebody says New Testament church, I mean, is a lot of that got to do with, I mean, it's just, again, these are the questions you guys need to be asking. You know, when we said right. like those first things, the yuck meter is the question when somebody says, hey, we're a New Testament church. The first question you should have out of your mouth is it's grace and truth. Correct. Because does that mean that they're just like, well, we're all about grace, but we're not about truth? Because what do you do? Strap on those sandals. Don't walk. Run. run. Because you're not going to be getting the whole counsel of God's word. So, uh, yeah, what's what's another verse yeah. that we have here? So in Matthew, again, I was, I was already telling you about Matthew. This is not the place that it is it, but uh, but Jesus has a, has a lot to say about this in the book of Matthew. 
But in chapter 7, verses 15 through 20, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. We'll talk in a minute about what that means. But inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. And here we go. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And so a great question to ask, Giles just hit on a second ago, but a great question to ask as you... Maybe you're searching for a church. Maybe you're searching for a community to be in. Maybe you're wanting to be in a small group somewhere. And a great question to ask is, what's the fruit? What is the fruit that you see going on around you? Again, eyes to see. You'll see it. You'll see it. And again, especially if you're spending and investing the time that you are, that you should, that as a follower of Christ, that we should be investing in our relationship with him, trees will bear the fruit and you will see whether it is good or bad. And the question, I mean, if you found yourself sitting in a room with a small group for two years and nothing has seemed to change, there's been no transformation. I will tell you from my own experience, and I don't think it's unique. You read the saints and you read the Many of the authors that we have here on this wall about people's transformation, the Holy Spirit ain't waiting around two years if God's right. working in a room. It's hard to keep up with sometimes. Right. So I think that like that's a, that's a fruit to look for itself. Stagnation. Is nothing happening? Is nothing moving here? And maybe it's a challenge to you to actually start speaking the truth and bringing in the Spirit yeah. into the room. Or... Maybe if those are things that you have tried before and they have been shot down, it's time to walk away. Well, and I guarantee, you know, these young people that we said we created this podcast for, the ones that have been through discipleship that are kind of out there that we can't meet with all the time, what are we telling them? We're telling them, hey, guys, you're the biblically fluent. You're the mature person in the room. Um, you're the, the and I'm going to I'm gonna get to the sheeps and the wolves here a second, but you're the, you're the giver in the room. Let it shine. Let let the Holy Spirit, you know, put that put that lamp up on the stand mm-hmm. and let it shine in that situation. I want to go back to this idea of sheeps and wolves. You know, stop and think for a second. And and I really the, the the concept that comes to mind for me is is that a sheep is a giver. A sheep grows its wool and meat to eat, but but mainly a sheep a sheep is a giver. It, it consumes grass. It consumes really very little in the grand scheme of things. And, and a sheep, and you know, for me, it's, it's a giver. And so as I'm measuring this fruit and I'm thinking about sheeps and wolves, I'm thinking about, is this individual or is this situation that I'm dealing in, are they, are they a giver or are they a taker? Because the wolf, a, wolf, a wolf's just a taker. It's a consumer and really is always on the hunt to consume. Yeah, pretty much a scavenger, you know, and and uh well, I never actually thought about it that way, but you're right. I mean, the sheep, right, with the with the wool and also the milk. Yep. Um and then yeah, wolves are 
just basically carnivores, just consumers. And so, yeah, watch out for those things. Again, eyes to see, ears to hear, false prophets, and the reality of the situation that you're sitting in. This, this verse really says, you know, check the fruit. Check yep. the fruit. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then um, moving on, you know, moving on. Uh, there's there's some scripture in Acts. Uh, do you want to you want to go ahead and share? Sure. Acts chapter twenty. Yeah, Acts twenty thir- uh, twenty eight through thirty. Uh, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which He bought with His own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Man, this is a tough one to read. This is a tough one to, uh, a tough one to read because for me, there, there are a couple things that stand out. Savage wolves will come in among you, uh, but I think even more so is this verse 30. Even from your own number. Mm-hmm. These are people that are professing to be followers of Christ. These are people that are going to claim the cross and everything that happened at the cross for themselves. But really, what are they doing? They're distorting the truth, and they're really trying to dis- to draw their own following as opposed to point people to Jesus. And going back to the wolves again, right? There it is again, so yeah. It, uh, it's brought up again, but now we're talking about these other, these dark disciples is what I would call them, these dark disciples that are trying to draw other people away from them. These are the wolves. Brian, what do you know about hunters and the hunted in a situation? Would a wolf, does a wolf go after the strongest sheep in the herd, or do they go after the weakest? Yeah, oftentimes the the wolves are they're opportunistic they're opportunistic predators they're not going to go after the large pack they're not going to go after the fully mature male bull in a say a bison herd or something you know they're going to go to pick off that um that weak or young or injured or old um prey and they're very very opportunistic which tends to be, and you know, when we tie this in with these individuals, they're going to be the same way. So question you have to ask when reading this Acts 20 and 28 through 30 is, am I going to be a injured, weak sheep that is easily going to be persuaded by the wolf or picked off by the wolf? Or am I going to be equipping myself by knowing who the true disciple is, right? The my sheep will know my voice by knowing who that true disciple is so that they won't even, that the wolf is not even near the threat that they would be if I was far away or didn't know who, like if I don't know my shepherd's voice. Yeah. And there's a ton of hope. Jesus offered, God offers us a ton of hope on that backside in terms of you're right. Um, not being, not allowing myself to be picked off and swayed. Again, that verse back in Ephesians, I'm not going to be swayed. I'm not going to be, you're not going to change my mind. I know who Jesus is. I know who I am. I spend time with him on a regular basis. And I know all these things to be true about him because he's making them true in my life and in our relationship together. Uh, To wrap this up, 
in terms of false teaching. And, and again, guys, we could go on and on and on. Uh, we did pick out a scripture in Second Peter chapter three. Uh, we're on we're in verses fourteen through eighteen. So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul wrote with you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes in the same way in all of his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends... Since you have now been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory now and forever and ever. Amen. There it is again, you know, ignorant, unstable people. They distort, they distort the word and use it to their own, I think we were dealing with this tonight, where they distort it to their own liking and their own circumstances and scenarios. They want the things that tickle the ears. You know, that's like distorted, it'll make it tickle yeah. the ears. Because it says, these things may be hard to understand, which also would say hard to hear. Right. So, you know, they want to have it tickle the ears. But guys, you know, as we were going through these verses, this is the answer. So you want to know, how, yeah. do, I, how do I know who right. a false teacher is? How do I not get picked off by wolves? How do I not get swayed easily by new teachings and uh, influenced by people trying to trick me? How can, I, how can I do these things? How can I not be persuaded by this dark disciple that may be trying to lead me away from God? The answer is right here. It says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Brian, how do you grow in grace? And then the second part, specifically knowledge of Jesus Christ. How do you grow in that way? By spending time with him. And thank God, he not only wants to know us, but he went first to the cross in order to make a way for it to to happen, to have this intimate relationship and knowledge of him and walk with him every day. And that's the only way that we're going to be prepared and ready to stand against false teaching. And I am not joking when I am, I have said, and I, when I have heard, and I know Brian has heard this as well. I am not joking when I have heard people say to me, man, I don't want to get I don't want to get deceived. I don't want to have that mark of the beast. How will I know? And they have said these things, but they're not going back to, well, what are you comparing it against? Right. Because guess what? If you don't know Christ and you don't know your shepherd and you don't know his voice and you don't know his words and what he says, um, pretty much guarantee you will be deceived. Because I don't think they would have written all this. I don't think God would have put all this word, uh, scripture 
about false teachers and deception and all of these things unless he knew it was going to be a problem for some people. Right. Now, I want to reference back to our last podcast too. There are certain scenarios and certain things that are going to prohibit, you know, these barriers that are going to stand up, you know, whether it be my sin and my hard heartedness Mm -hmm. or, Mm -hmm. or whatever, guys, we have to fight for this. We have to fight for and be disciplined for this, this getting to know God and getting to know in the person of Jesus. And we have to protect it and fight for it with all that we have and what's awesome is, and we're going to read scripture over scripture here, is that, is that he's so faithful uh, to answer that and to jump in. Yeah, and it's not, and I think all of this next scripture will clearly point this out to all of you, but as we have been saying week in and week out on this podcast, it is not a passive no. faith. It is not one where you're like, if I sit alone and hide somewhere, <laughs> I won't be deceived, or if I don't surround myself with those people, or if I don't, this is an active things that we need to be participating in with Christ. And through that, he will show us the way to make, to make it through and not be deceived in such a way. Giles, I'm, I'm just realizing how much we pulled here from the book of John. And it doesn't surprise me that it comes from John because, you know, we have to remember that this was, this was Jesus yeah, and some might argue with this, you know, but he was definitely one of the three closest, and he is referenced as the one who Jesus loved. And so, in our layman's terms, you know, we can say, I mean, it's very possible that this was this was Jesus' best friend while he was here on earth. I think we'll just go with that because that's what Scripture yeah, right. says. Right, so. it's pretty clear. And so, for it to be coming from his best friend, here's a, here's a man that's writing that says, no, 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 you can know him. I knew him. I walked so intimately and so closely with him, and you can too. So in in chapter 10, John says, and we're in verse 9, yes, and this is Jesus speaking, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely. They will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, for I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. So here we, here we are again, this idea of, of wolves versus, you know, versus uh, knowing Jesus. Did you just type in sheeps and wolves into your scripture verse? Like, seriously, I... This illustration, though, is obviously something that was very powerful. Like, we may not understand the references so well, but they would have, and so we should really take these things seriously. Right. And I think here, here again, a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf. Well, there it goes back to these people that might be twisting the truth for their own desires, mm-hmm. or it might be the person that is... Uh, is actually doing it for the money, doing it, you know, doing it for what, you know, whatever reason for the, maybe it's for the fame and the position, the following the hired hand runs away though, because he's only working for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. And here we go. I know my own sheep and they know me. And I think this is the encouragement for everybody. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. Wow. Like that is a huge that is a huge statement that I can actually know Jesus in the same way that he knew and had a connection to the Father 
I mean, it's just a powerful, just a powerful image to me. Yeah, and that they will listen. You know, at the end of that uh, sixteen, it says they will listen to my voice. Yeah. Again, these ears to hear, they will hear me, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. And so, again, we've we've referenced before in the small town that we're in. I guess there, are, there are like eighteen different churches within like a couple square miles, and this idea that no, there's one church. I'm not trying to separate. We're, we here at Aramos, we're not trying to separate ourselves from this church or that church. No, no, there's one body of Christ, and we are unified through that one shepherd and through his voice and his spirit living inside of us. So, yeah, you know, God really shows, Jesus shows us there that, you know, his desire for us to know him and his desire for him to know us in that intimate way. And I, I'm going to go on to John 14 because, again, as you said, John does such a great job of just sort of this intimate type of relationship with God, with Jesus, and the intimacy that Jesus, you know, shows John and shows us through that process. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to be going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would, will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Philip liked to <laughs> really ask a lot of questions to Jesus. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. And so then he just continues to go on. And then 15, he says, if you love me, keep my commands. So again, this relationship. And I will ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And I will stop there for a minute just yeah. so we can, because there's so much in this one. No, I know. This is a huge passage, and it's just over and over and over again. These promises, right? I'm the way. It's me. I am the way. Follow me. But then it's also intent, right? That, that the intent from verse 3, you know, through the end of this passage in John 14, the intent is so that we can be together, mm -hmm. so that you can know me, so that you can know the Father. The intent for all of this is so that we can intimately know Jesus and intimately know God the Father and all these promises that come along with it. I'm not going to leave you orphans. And I mean, how many times, and I'm just looking through this scripture right now, I mean, how many times is love... Right. mentioned in this scripture and definitions of what love is feelings of love 
of God towards his people, feelings of love of Jesus and the disciples, the disciples loving him, even with their struggling sometimes to comprehend it, like with Philip, the grace that he shows as he goes through this, and just how many times he just keeps talking about how you're going to be loved. And again, there's such a strong desire. You know, the, the rooms that will be prepared for you, there's such a strong desire for the shepherd to have his sheep and for his sheep to be just gathered there with him in that place. And and it's, it is, it's just a beautiful thing about, you know, how do you know a false teacher? How do you know when you hear something that makes you icky? And it's because you're standing that close to Jesus and that love actually, that knowledge of who he is and knowledge of the Father will actually, he will protect you against those things. Well, and let's even talk about the intimacy, the love, and everything that's going on in the context of this right here, because this is the upper room discourse. Like, here, here we are, we're the upper room conversation. This is the meat and potatoes of the upper room conversation. The um, Judas is gone. Mm-hmm. Jesus has washed their feet and shown them, and they are now literally sitting with Jesus, and he has been telling them, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm getting ready to leave. I got to go. And he's, there's so much love and compassion. Don't worry. I'll come back. We'll be together forever. This is only temporary. You're going to be okay. And I think that it's for me in this, in this, in this message and this idea of false teaching versus knowing God, this John chapter 14 is just Jesus promised to us that he is with me and he wants to talk to me and lead me and guide me and be close to me in the way that I desire so that I'm not blown left and right by whatever false doctrine comes away. And I have to go to the obedience factor here, right? Because obedience and love are tied directly to each other and disobedience and not love. So if you love me, you keep my commands. And then his father says, anyone who does not love me, will not obey my teaching, so they won't hear me. So this is really troubling, actually, if you go back. Yeah. Because this whole thing about false teachers is basically, this false teachers can only have effectiveness when they're dealing with people that don't love Jesus and thus are disobedient to God. Right. That, that's like really the only time that they can have effectiveness. That's right. So when you say something, let's just, let's, let's go back to those statements. When you say, don't worry, we won't be opening the Bible or anything. What are you actually, the, well, that, what are you actually saying? Yeah. Well, and I think for me, for me, it's, this is an opportunity for immaturity and false teaching and these wolves to take hold in a situation. And that's not that's not what we want to be about. And my question is, is that love? No. Yeah, right. Oh, by the way, I have this special relationship. Oh, by the way, God and I have this really great thing going on, you know? And I and I have this really awesome relationship with God and 
But you know, my small group doesn't want to read the Bible. So instead of loving them right, in the way of which is, hey, I've received this awesome thing and I would love to share it with you, the good news, I decide I hate them. And so I'll just continue to feed into the false teachings that they have been. Right. They're not worthy. That they're not worthy. Right. That you have to go to cemetery, I mean seminary, in order to converse and spend time with God. Right. It's just not true. It's not truth. And uh, I encourage any of you to dig into this upper room discourse uh, in the middle, middle meat of the book of John and really see what Jesus says to those closest to him and the comfort that he gives them about how the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to he's going to profess and lead everybody to lead and point to Jesus and and it will confirm and reaffirm in verse 26 everything that he's already said to them and it, that's what we were talking about earlier about I can watch a video I can watch a movie and I can watch a secular movie and I can be moved in the spirit by it because Jesus is confirming spiritual truths everywhere I go. He's bringing the kingdom everywhere I go. And then at the end, you know, he talks about peace, right? So he, he's offering them peace at the end of this uh, chapter. And if you read into John, we don't have it here, but, you know, I would, I would suggest all of you read John. Just read the whole part of John 14 through 16. If you read 15 and 16... Jesus then goes on after he says, hey, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I did not give you as the world gives, okay? Because that's yeah. made very clear in the next two, next two chapters. But do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So he's actually offering them this peace right before he goes into basically all the ways that the world is going to persecute them. Right. So what does that say? So again, this is about truth, right? I'm going to give you some peace because the next words I say to you in 15, 16 are not going to be words that necessarily tickle your ears. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. But yet then in 17, he turns around and says in uh, 17 verse three, but this is eternal life. This, mm -hmm. this intimate time that they have been having in the upper room, this is eternal life that they know you, the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life. That is eternal life. You want eternal life? You want purpose? You want all these things? It is found in knowing the person and walking with Jesus. Don't get me wrong. He, he, wants, you to, he wants you to not sin because sin keeps the two of you from being together, keeps the two of us from being together. But ultimately what he wants for the full life and for purpose and for meaning in your life and for stability and for confidence and for all these things that you're searching for, what he wants is for you to know him. And it is only in knowing him that we receive those things. Yeah, and I can guarantee you that if you hear some of those things that we talked about earlier, I can guarantee you neither of those going to lead you to any life. I can guarantee you a small group that doesn't right. spend time in God's word. Nobody's having the eternal life. Nobody's having that joy that God can bring. And again, why is this factor about knowing? It's this constant thing about, okay, so he says, this is eternal life. Now, right? Eternal life is not like some spectacular retirement party that you're going to be spending time at the, you know, 
I don't know, golf course or something else for the rest of eternity. You know, God, I don't know, God may do those kind of things, but that's not the purpose of it. Um, But it's this concept of eternal life is going to be saying, hey, I get to be in the presence of God who I know and Jesus Christ who I know. So would you choose that? If you don't know God, why, why would I choose that if I don't know God? So if I don't spend any time with him, which and I'm and I know I may beat on this, you may think that I beat a dead horse when I talk about this, but I, I am such a if you don't if you don't read his word, I I, I have no it's very seldom that somebody could tell me I know everything about God and I have this deep relationship with him and I never open my Bible. I would find it almost impossible to believe that that would be true. Right. So the question is, is that if you're not doing those things, and if you're actually even trying to protect people from having to do those things, do you actually want them to know who God is? Like, again, what are you doing? Yeah, and you know we're we're coming up on an hour. We need to probably put a bow on this one and tie it up. Um, but it's so true, and I'm finding. Here's what I'm finding. I'm finding that. Knowing Jesus and sharing Jesus with others makes golf more enjoyable. It makes sitting at a baseball game Mm -hmm. richer. It makes going on a drive with my wife just to talk more fulfilling and deeper. And... I you know I, I, I keep feel like I keep saying it, and I need to probably journal about it and figure out what God's trying to tell me about that He is the God of and, and then and more, and we get when we get to know Him, we actually get both. He aligns these these desires that we've had in our heart. He aligns with His desires and His purpose and His giftedness in us, and He gives us both and. So again, it's not that we don't get to go. Well, first of all, we've sat around this very table with my son and talked about going go karting, like not the not the cheap twenty mile an hour ones, like doing the real deal out, you know, outdoors, in fire suits and helmets and stuff. And it's not like we don't get to do those things and have fun or whitewater rafting or what you know, whatever the excitement or the adventure might be. But it's when the adventure is a part of this adventure of knowing him. And and I'm just, it's just one of those things. Like picture sitting at a table, like whatever your career field is that you've chosen to study or maybe a hobby or a passion, whether it's golf or baseball or, you know, whatever it might be. But picture sitting across the table on a regular basis with the person that invented baseball and picking their brain about how they came up with it and what their dreams were for it. And that's the opportunity that we have with God in Jesus, the creator of the universe. I got, what's the deal with porcupines? You know, really, like, really, I don't get it. Or anteaters, you know, seriously, like what, what were you doing? Or in our, in our house, you know, mice, eh, I'm pretty sure the world would have been just fine without mice. What's the deal? But sitting with the creator of everything and knowing and, and that he wants that he actually wants to sit there, can't wait for me to ask those questions about his kingdom and the way that he operates.
Yeah, it's so good, Brian. And, you know, I, I don't really have anything to add to that except for just, you know, my suggestion for this week is if you want to hear from God and you don't want to be deceived and you want to walk in his truth and you want to be loved in the way that he talks about what love is, sit with him. Mm-hmm. Sit with him. Start there. Trust the process and understand that he's going to reveal all of these things to you. And as Brian says, it's both and. It's both and with God. But, you know, you're never going to know if you don't take that moment and actually say, hey, you know what? Instead of just jumping into the next thing or moving on to the next thing or finding the next distraction, I'm actually going to sit a little bit and spend some time with God. And, I don't, you know, it may be that it's just five minutes a day to start. But we just ask that you do that because we can tell you it will transform you and you will experience God in the way that Brian was just talking about. For sure. And when you hear some of those buzzwords and some of those things that set off your yuck meter, don't walk. Run to him. Run to his lap. Run to his word. Spend time with him, getting to know him, and let him lead you into all truth. Good podcast, Giles. We look forward to uh, sitting down next week in the upper room.